This episode of The Amazing Nerd Show is sponsored by Podcorn. Christian, we know life as a podcaster isn't easy. Monetizing your small independent podcast can lead to nothing but heartbreak and frustration. We didn't even know the first place to start and how to approach these companies. But then we found Podcorn, a marketplace connecting podcasters to amazing podcast sponsorship opportunities, such as host read ads, interview segments, topical discussions, and more. Damn it, with Podcorn, there is no middleman. Podcasters of all sizes can browse and choose opportunities right on the platform, set their own rates, and collaborate with brands directly without any exclusivities. You never give up any rights to your podcast, and Podcorn is here to support you at every step and ensure you're protected and compensated for the work that you do. And Christian, I love their mission statement. To give podcasters transparency, creative freedom, and full control of how and when they monetize. Click the link in our show notes to sign up for Podcorn and start browsing sponsorship opportunities today. Podcorn, connecting unique voices to unique brands. Nerds, it's time to suit up and nerd up. Launching badass rockabilly track. Now incubating zombie baby. Time to save the world with some wrestling. Video games, movies, horror, and more. Launching ANS in 3, 2, 1. Welcome to the Amazing Nerd Show. Hey, this is Christian. Hey, this is Damon. And this is the Amazing Nerd Show. All right, this week we're reviewing Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead and talking the latest episode of The Bad Batch. But that's not all. We'll also be talking AEW's Double or Nothing. All right, but before we move on, make sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. And while you're at it, give us a five-star review and DM us a screenshot. Not only will we read it on the show, but we'll send you some Amazing Nerd Show swag. Let's get into the news. Every week we collect the biggest headlines and rumors of nerdum. We're not mild-mannered reporters, we're mere podcasters with opinions. Well, first up this week, Black Panther's Denai Guerrero will be starring in a Koye solo series coming to Disney+. Plus. So according to The Hollywood Reporter, not only will the Black Panther star reprise her role as a Koye in Black Panther Wakanda Forever, but she'll also be appearing in an unnamed origin series uh, for Disney+. Plus. As of right now, there is no word whether or not Ryan Coogler is attached to the series, but he does currently have a five-year deal to develop various projects projects for Disney. I would definitely expect that he has some involvement though. Um, I think personally it's a great idea. I love the character of Okoye, um, but we really don't know much about her except that she's a total fucking badass. So I think it would be really interesting to like really dive into her backstory. No, absolutely. And um, Denai is a great actress as we've seen in like The Walking Dead and other things that she's been in. fucking Michonne, man. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So I am excited for this. I was surprised. I thought they might just like maybe shoehorn some type of story in for her in like um, the Wakanda series that they're going to do. Maybe like focus on her and that. But Mm -hmm. I am excited now to see that she's going to be getting her own solo series that might explore her even further. So that's that's great. Yeah, because we were originally speculating maybe that Wakanda series would be like almost like an anthology kind of type deal where they would tell different stories about different characters within like the Wakanda kingdom. But um, no, this is even better. So I'm glad that they're going this route. Absolutely. Is Michonne still on Walking Dead right now? Yeah, I believe so. I, I, is that show still going? Yeah. Is it it's still a little bit more? <laughs> I think this is the last season. I don't. I, I think confused. she. I don't know if she got killed off or if she just left. 
So I don't know. Whatever. Uh, I, I just keep hearing about Negan being either a hero or not a hero. I don't know what's oh, going that on. Sounds awful. <laughs> All right. Up next, Sony has casted its Craven the Hunter for an upcoming solo film. So it's Aaron Taylor Johnson, a.k.a. Kick-Ass, a.k.a. Quicksilver of the MCU, has now been cast as Craven the Hunter for Sony Pictures' upcoming Marvel film. Uh, there is a release date of January 13th, 2023 attached to the film currently, and we know that J.C. Chandor will be directing the film. There is no word, however, whether or not Craven will be appearing in any other Sony Spider-Man films. Uh, that was a rumor a while back, so uh, we'll see. But we do know that uh, the latest Spider-Man film has wrapped, but they are supposed to be doing reshoots soon. So I guess they could kind of shoehorn him in if they wanted to, even as like a little cameo, you know, for an Easter egg at the end. But we'll see. That's all speculation. All right. Well, I got nothing against, you know, Aaron Taylor Johnson. I just haven't, you know, seen a performance from him that really makes me like excited for his performance as Craven the Hunter just yet. Um, you know, I, I did enjoy Kick-Ass, but I think I liked the other characters more than I liked him in general. So it's just kind of like, eh, I, I don't know just yet. I'm not super excited for it, but I think, you know, this could be a potential breakout for him, right? Sure. I mean, we know he can pull off an accent, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Whatever. I mean, I'm cool with it. I, I'd... Some might say he didn't, you know, get that accent right, but <laughs> <laughs> I was fine with it. Give uh -huh. me a break. <laughs> um, no, but I agree with you. This still doesn't make me necessarily excited for this film. So a Craven the Hunter solo film without him uh -huh. like appearing at least in a Spider-Man movie just doesn't make tons of sense to me. But I mean, maybe they got a great idea behind it. I don't know. We'll see. Sony doesn't deserve our faith just yet anyway. <laughs> Not, Not unless I see Kevin Focke's name attached to it. Uh -huh. Yeah, no. I agree. <laughs> Not yet, at least. All right. Up next, the HBO Max Green Lantern series confirms the casting of Alan Scott. So, yes, last week, there were a lot of rumors going around that Jeremy Irvine had been casted as Alan Scott. And now the actor has confirmed that via social media. Uh, the actor took to Instagram to break his silence on the role, revealing that he's very excited to be joining the DC Universe and they can't wait to get started. We know he'll be joining previously announced cast member Finn Whitrock, who will be playing Guy Gardner in the series. Uh, Green Lantern is also expected to include appearances from Jessica Cruz, Simon Baz, Sinestro, and more. All right, up next, Amazon purchases MGM for nearly $9 billion. So since last week, there was rumors of the merger, but now the companies have officially confirmed that Amazon will acquire MGM, uh, the studio behind the James Bond film franchise. MGM is a hundred year old studio with an extensive film catalog that I'm sure Amazon is hoping will help boost their streaming presence. They have franchises like the previously mentioned James Bond series, but also Robocop, Rocky, uh, The Hobbit, and The Addams Family. Um, it's reported that the real financial value behind this deal is the treasure trove of IP in the deep catalog that uh, they plan on reimagining and developing together with MGM's talented team. 
on the horror front, some of the uh, properties that MGM uh, has a hand in are uh, franchises like Child's Play, uh, Candyman, Silence of the Lambs, uh, Poltergeist, Amityville Horror, Pumpkinhead, and Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Man, I'm curious to see what they're going to do with all that great IP, especially horror-wise. I have a feeling we're going to have some new films or series on the way sooner than later. No, exactly. I think, um, you know, this is another big play for Amazon. Um, you know, they definitely need a little bit more on their service because it's just like they have some great series here and there, but nothing really drives me to Amazon Prime that often. Um, and I think like having a huge amount of new IP to play with is definitely where they need to go. I always say, you know, Amazon Prime is one of those streaming services that has a ton of potential, but it just kind of needs a redesign. I think it's one of the most lacking of all of them. Um, you know, user friendly wise i would it's say it's super bland looking yeah like, <laughs> compared to like hbo max or mm -hmm. even uh, apple tv plus it's real and it hasn't been updated in years it feels like just the look of it like aesthetically exactly. um but i can agree with that where like movie wise it does feel a little lacking but like i don't know at the same time like who doesn't have amazon prime Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> so are they really having a hard time, like getting like subscribers? Because I feel like everyone has Amazon Prime because they're looking for, you know, two day delivery. So, mm -hmm. I mean, it's all wrapped up in that, right? No, but I I think they I, I don't feel like they have enough problem with subscribers. I feel like they don't have enough people actually using the services, okay. you know, Okay. which I mean, then you can drive, you know, ads and stuff like that. Yeah, and, maybe you know, that's counted as money. a separate thing, I guess. Right. Probably. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know how that fucking works, but <laughs> I guess it makes sense. And they've got all the money in the world. I mean, nine billion dollars oh, yeah. is nothing to them. So <laughs> why not? Right. I'm not concerned about their wallets. <laughs> yes. Yes. People still need to buy paper towels, so they're going to be yes. fine. Right. <laughs> well, up next, we got a huge casting update for Netflix's Sandman series. All right, so joining the cast is Kirby Howell Baptiste as Death, Mason Alexander Park as Desire, Donna Preston as Despair, Jenna Coleman as Johanna Constantine, uh, Nima Walsh as Young Ethel Cripps, uh, Jolie Richardson as Ethel Cripps, uh, David Thwells as John D, Kyle Ray as Rose Walker, Stephen Fry as Gilbert, uh, Razan Jamal as Lita Hall, Sandra James Young as Unity Kincaid, and Patton Oswalt as Matthew the Raven. This is a book that I've always been meaning to pick up, but never have for some reason. Maybe I'll actually try to do it before the series drops. Currently, there is no premiere date set, but with all these casting announcements, you gotta figure that they're definitely well into like pre-production at least at this point. Well, all right, we finally got a synopsis for the new Evil Dead movie and it's coming to HBO Max. So Variety has announced that the movie will be going straight to HBO Max and it'll be produced by Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell underneath the New Line Cinema umbrella. And the director's chair this time around will be Lee Cronin uh, from the film The Hole in the Ground. Uh, Variety went on to detail the plot of the film, saying that the next chapter of the saga builds off the original trilogy rather than the 2013 reboot. Evil Dead Rise moves the action out of the woods into the city. The twisted tale centers on two estranged sisters portrayed by Alyssa Sutherland and Lily Sullivan, uh, whose re 
reunion is cut short by the rise of flesh-possessing demons, thrusting them into a primal battle of survival as they face off the most nightmarish version of family imaginable. So I'm really looking forward to this, even, you know, without Ash appearing in this film. Uh, Bruce Campbell is supposed to be serving just as a producer on this. But I like the idea of, you know, people facing off against the Deadites in, like, a city surrounding. Just imagine all, like, the balls-to-the-wall action and gore from, like, an Evil Dead film in an overpopulated, like, downtown area. Definitely sounds like my idea of a good time. <laughs> Alright, last but not least, Hellraiser reimagining... Uh, Pinhead brings pleasure and pain to Hulu. Yeah, I'm already picturing all the fast zoom cuts to breaking windows and stuff around them as they run through the streets. Should be a fun time. <laughs> I agree. And speaking of horror, new Hellraiser film coming to Hulu. So the website Bloody Disgusting has learned that Hulu has acquired the forthcoming Hellraiser reimagining from Spyglass Media, the team behind the upcoming Scream film. Uh, David Bruckner, who directed the highly anticipated film The Night House is set to direct. Uh, now, mind you, there's also Hellraiser series in the works for HBO Max, um, which I think we've talked about a couple times now at this point on the show. Uh, that's going to have David Gordon Green producing from Halloween and Halloween Kills. Um, he's also going to be directing the pilot and several more initial episodes with Clive Barker on board to produce. So there's going to be a lot of Hellraiser coming our way. And as of right now, there is no word if there is any connection between the series and the film continuity wise but my guess is probably not since they're both being worked on by two separate teams completely um, and going to two separate streaming services for that matter I mean I guess there can never be too much Hellraiser I just hope that like you know one studio doesn't decide okay well now we want to make movies and the other one's like now we want to make TV shows and it's just like back and forth I mean I guess there, there, there can't be too much Pinhead right you can always have a little bit more pleasure and pain you're a creep <laughs> but i agree i mean give me more pinhead I'm, I'm totally fine with this i think i'm excited for a lot of these you know horror remakes at this point you know i i'm not like i think i'm ready for a new version of hellraiser so yeah I'm, i mean we've know. gotten like four or five really shitty sequels so yeah. <laughs> at this point i think it's fine that we do a reimagining i'm totally cool with it so before we move on, some quick news notes. Uh, Star Wars The Rangers of the New Republic is no longer in active development. This is no doubt due to the recent firing of Gina Carano. And it looks like Disney has no plans in recasting the character Cara Dune at this point. I'm sure they'll repurpose this story at some point or whatever bones they have of it into something else. Well, moving on. Uh, also, we got a confirmation from a strange source, uh, Todd Phillips' lawyer, that uh, he's reportedly uh coming back to co-write the script for the next joker film sure i i guess we could trust the words of his lawyer i have no I idea mean, we did hear the rumors a couple weeks ago so it's not a big surprise but uh -huh. i guess you know he just mentioned that you know his client just picked up you know a big contract so <laughs> i mean it's definitely a weird source to get that like news from though so you no, know exactly we'll see so take it with a grain of salt uh -huh. but we did hear rumors a while back about it so um, but yeah, no. And then last but not least, Marvel officially confirmed that Oscar Isaac will be playing Moon Knight, which is like the worst kept secret of the world. I, I thought this was already confirmed. <laughs> no, no. Well, they were showing him like doing fight sequences and shit. Okay. You know, working with like stunt people. So yeah, I guess not because yeah, it was big news today. 
So All right. <laughs> I think I, I was in the same boat as you. Like, I thought it was just like something where everyone knows, so we don't need to make a big announcement. But I guess on their social media, you know, they did a little post with um, Oscar Isaac saying, we are Moon Knight. And it's got like a picture of him uh, with a background of all these different like versions of Moon Knight. So pretty cool. Ooh, I'm excited cool, for this. Yeah. I mean, a good way to hype it up. Uh-huh. Oh, and wait, it looks like we've got some breaking news this Friday while I'm mid-editing the show, of course. As Spider-Man No Way Home is rumored to feature Willem Dafoe's Green Goblin as the leader of the Sinister Six? Collider's Jeff Snyder on a recent podcast made claims that Dafoe will be the main villain of the film and will be leading a multiverse version of the Sinister Six comprised of characters from both Sam Raimi's trilogy and the Amazing Spider-Man films. It is believed that the team will be Defoe's Goblin, Jamie Foxx as Electro, and Alfred Molina as Doc Ock, with rumored returns of Thomas Hayden Church's Sandman, Reese Ifans, Lizard, and Paul Giamatti's Rhino. Like I've said, you know, many times on the show, I get a little nervous every time I hear about Spider-Man having a ton of villains in one movie. Um, we've, we've seen that go wrong a couple times now, but in the right hands, this could be epic, and if received well, maybe give Sony that Sinister Six it's been trying to make happen for years. We get it. You want a Sinister Six film out there. <laughs> this is their opportunity. Hopefully this is still good. Hopefully, you know, in Feige's hands, we can trust that Spider-Man versus the multiverse Sinister Six will work. All in all, I'm just waiting for a Spider-Man trailer to finally drop. Well, Damon, we got a couple trailers this week. That's right. This past Monday morning, Marvel sent a little gift our way in the form of Eternals trailer. Finally. Throughout the years, we have never interfered. Until now. So this trailer is definitely kind of a show me, don't tell me trailer Mm -hmm. where it doesn't have like too much plot in it. It's more, you know, a montage of just like different things and different characters that are in like, you know, the film. We do have like a voiceover narrating. It sounds like Selma Hayek, uh, who's playing Ajax in this. Uh, who I believe is the leader of the Eternals, uh, you know, talking about how in the past they've, you know, guided humans throughout time, but never interfered and helped them like prosper. Um, now, during this trailer, though, like we see like different battles happening and we mm-hmm. do get a glimpse of an Eternal like making a save on someone. So, you know, I'm not sure like if that is quite true. Um, Because it does seem like it's during, like, the Spanish Inquisition. So, and that would definitely be, right? Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, it's very, like, brief. And that's what I'm assuming is happening there. So make of that what you will. Um, I know in, like, the comic book origin, uh, the Eternals, and I apologize if I'm, like, getting this wrong because it's kind of off the top of my head. Uh, I believe, like, the Celestials created, like, the Eternals along with, like, this race called the Deviants and Humans, and the Eternals are supposed to watch over humanity, uh, but they get into this whole, like, Civil War situation, and then the uh, Deviants are able to kind of, like, conquer, like, the world, and Mm. the Celestials, like, show up again and are totally fucking pissed off at the Eternals, uh, so I don't know, like, if that's gonna come to play here. They end up, like, sinking, like, the Deviants, like, kingdom, and that ends up turning into Atlantis, you know, where Submariner hangs out. 
So, um, I don't know if any of that's going to happen in this film. <laughs> um, I don't know if that's why we haven't really seen, like, the Eternals, you know, throughout the MCU at this point. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, because here we're definitely seeing that they've existed for a long, long time, you know. I mean, they're incredibly, like, powerful cosmic beings, so... They could have helped out, you know, through like many of the different events like our heroes have gone through <laughs> over the past mm -hmm. like decade or so through the whole like Infinity Saga. So I'm sure they're going to explore like why they weren't getting involved at that point. So, uh, but yeah, no, we see different characters in this. Like I was saying, we see Selma Hayek as Ajax. We see uh, Angeline Jolie as I believe she's playing Athena. We also mm -hmm. get a glimpse of the Black Knight who's played by Kit Harington. Uh, then we get his brother. I'm completely forgetting his name, Christian, the actor's name. It's not really his brother. <laughs> uh, Richard Madden. Yes. He's playing Icarus. Richard Madden is playing Icarus, um, who's like the only Eternal I really know anything about. Um, but yeah, I, that's pretty much it. We do see them facing off against some kind of creatures here and there. It seems like they're in like a village. Um, I'm guessing that might be the Deviants. In the comics, uh, the Eternals do have ties to the Avengers. Um, Cersei's, I believe, uh, actually joins the team at one point. Uh, Black Knight also joins the Avengers at one point. So um, we'll see how that all ties in. Um, but yeah, I mean, really, this is a montage trailer. So there's a lot of shit happening that I can't explain or I have no idea what's going on. Uh -huh. <laughs> uh, I know that I watched a video and they said they pointed out that Captain America is like old, like, you know, 1940s, like uh, press junket shield is in the background at uh, oh, in, like okay. one of the ships or something. So, I mean, that's a cool little Easter egg. I'm sure they wanted us to see. So at the end of the trailer, we get a look at the entire team. Uh, in their like you know full uniforms or outfits i don't know what the hell you would call it but i was kind of disappointed with the look i was hoping they would go more like comic book accurate with it um you know jack kirby's original designs were so great and over the top um you know thor ragnarok did a great job of like capturing that spirit with like some of the different like uniforms they had in that film so i think mm. i was expecting more of that um but i don't know i just they were kind of bland to me i don't know how you yeah. felt about it well yeah it's just like when you think gods you would think or like godlike beings you might want to go a little bit more over the top with it i know you know marvel and mcu tends to like kind of bring down the tones when it comes to a lot of these costumes but i mean every time they do it right we we give them a ton of praise yes. i mean mysterio perfect yes. it's just like recently they've been on a streak honestly shit. exactly yeah so, I, yeah, I was a little disappointed, but, you know, overall, I thought the film looked great. It, I mean, there's some great cinematography going on here. Mm -hmm. I also liked the um, what I'm guessing is the score. Um, it was it had that real like sci fi feel to it in parts. So I hope that's what the score is like, you know, throughout the film. You know, I'm not sure exactly how it plays out in the comic books. Um, I don't believe she's a villain in the comics, but they might be doing their own thing here, you know, mm -hmm. in the MCU. They usually do find their own angles into, the, you know, the stories. Um, but, you know, we'll see. I'm guessing that the Celestials are going to be involved somehow. Um, and I'm... And I have a feeling a big part of this story is going to be about, like, why now the Eternals feel like they have to get, like, involved with humanity, opposed to, like, you know, all the other, you know, thousands of different times they could have saved everyone's asses. You know, or maybe they were in the background, like, we kind of got a glimpse, you know, in this trailer, you know, in that one moment, you know, kind of, like, pulling strings without us knowing. 
who knows? So but I feel like that's going to be a mystery that they unravel. Uh huh. Protectors of humanity, my ass. Yeah. But like half of them disappear. Yeah. <laughs> but like I said, that could be part of the story too, because that's kind of how it plays mm-hmm. out in the comics, I believe. Well, I mean, only time will tell, but I will need a like, you know, bigger trailer from this in the future just to kind of get to know these characters because like i mean even with that first like guardians of the galaxy trailer i felt like i i got at least a sense of the personalities we we're going to be dealing with mm-hmm. this one it, it was a little i don't know everyone was just on the same plane well they, they threw so much at us you know yes. it's a little overwhelming because mm-hmm. i mean there's got to be like a hundred different shots taking place in this yeah. one trailer <laughs> in the two minute trailer so mm-hmm. i'm hoping we're going to get more of a story style trailer soon because, like, right now, I don't know. I'm still not really feeling this. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> even, like, throughout my, like, comic book fandom, like, I don't know. I, I don't think I've ever picked up an Eternals, like, book or cared no. about an Eternals character. So, um, yeah, they're going to have to do a lot of work to get me to give a shit, I'm guessing. Like, I'm interested in seeing if, like, if they'll really pull off the look of the Celestials and really make them, like, a daunting, like you know, force on Earth. Yeah, I mean, we got a glimpse of the Celestials and Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm -hmm. And I mean, to think of it, we were kind of saying the same thing about Guardians when that trailer came out. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, they proved us wrong in the past. So, I mean, I'm sure they can do it again. All right, Christian. So the next trailer we got this week was for Edgar Wright's horror film, Last Night in Soho. So Christian, here's another case of a beautiful looking trailer where I have no clue what the fuck is going on. I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) It looks great, though. Yeah, I mean, from what we're getting from the trailer, it seems like she's traveling back in time. I mean, in the synopsis, at least it says, you know, she's dealing with something in the 60s. Seems like maybe she has an idol of that from the 60s. She's a fashion designer. She's obsessed with her. The synopsis says, like, she's encountering her idol. Um, And she's definitely seems to be excited about, like, you know, jumping back into uh, Mm -hmm. what it seems like her body because she does look at herself in the mirror and, you know, she all of a sudden looks like Anna Taylor Joy. So in like, you know, 60s garb. So um, but she's not upset about it at all. Like she's excited, it seems like, at least from what we get initially. Exactly. And I, you know, do you get the sense that like maybe that's bleeding into her reality every time she wakes well, up? Well, we do eventually see her like turn blonde. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, yes. <laughs> so I'm guessing or she's starting to take on her personality, maybe. Probably. Um, there seems to be something haunting her in the past, though. Um, You know, as the trailer goes on, we're seeing her kind of encounter like ghostly figures here and there. Um, at one point we even get like a hand like coming out of the floor so I don't know I'm getting like strong quantum leap vibes here like maybe she's like (laughs) you know jumping back in the past and like maybe solving her like murder or something like that I'm just totally guessing here though (laughs) so because like I said it looks beautiful I'm totally into it, but I have no clue what the hell's going on from this trailer. Well, at least, you know, I definitely think Matt Smith killed Anya Taylor-Joy's character in this. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. Definitely seems like that. He's guilty. (laughs) I agree. I agree. I am really looking forward to this, though, because I'm excited to get, like, a straight horror film from Edgar Wright. Mm -hmm. Um, He's such an underappreciated director, I feel like. Because really, at this point, like, he has so many classics underneath his belt. Um... I'm just curious to see what, like, you know, a horror film from him would look like. A straight horror film. 
would look like. No, exactly. I, I mean, just from those final moments in the trailer alone, I feel like this is going to be probably a more scarier than most presume, you know, he's capable of. Well, we only have to wait till October 22nd to find out. Awesome. All right, Christian, this past week, we both saw Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead. Warning spoiler alert. Spoilers for Army of the Dead ahead. You have been warned. And now, our feature presentation. Think about it. Everything we did, all those people we saved. Look what he does. But what if? I can see you're out of base. What if just once? We did something just for us. Following a zombie outbreak in Las Vegas, a group of mercenaries take the ultimate gamble, venturing into the quarantine zone to pull off the greatest heist ever. Uh, this was written and directed by Zack Snyder and stars Dave Bautista. So if you've listened to the podcast before, you know I haven't been the biggest fan of Zack Snyder's interpretation of the DC Universe over the years. Uh, though I have in the past really enjoyed his work, in particular what he pulled off in his like 2004 remake of Dawn of the Dead. It's not only one of the best horror remakes of all time, but I don't think it gets enough credit for helping shepherd in the zombie craze over the last decade or so. So when I heard about Army of the Dead, I was really looking forward to it, and I'm happy to say I wasn't disappointed at all. Uh, the film is an entertaining time that combines a good old-fashioned heist movie with zombies. We get a ragtag team of mercenaries accepting a job with seemingly impossible odds to crack a casino safe in the middle of Las Vegas, which has been turned into a zombie kingdom by an escaped alpha super zombie in a fucking cape. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> you don't get more ridiculous than that. I mean, this film is big, it's loud, it's gory, but most of all, it's just fun. Like, Snyder brought something different to the table this time around with the idea of this, like, zombie society with, like, alphas and, like, shamblers, these slow-moving zombies. But, like, at the same time, he didn't try to reinvent the wheel, meaning, like, he stayed true to what fans of the subgenre want to see. Blood and guts and a little, like, social commentary thrown in for good measure. All this is amped up, of course, with, like, the pressure cooker feel of a heist film. Well-orchestrated, like, action sequences that are incredibly stylized through Snyder's lens, who not only, like, helmed the film, but also served as, like, the cinematographer, um, which is just amazing. Uh, the movie starts with just this awesome opening sequence that, like, really sets the tone for the action, but also at the same time, like, smartly allows the film to take time to, like, set up the story afterwards until we get into like this chaotic bloody third act. The runtime, yes, it's a little bloated, which feels like it's becoming a Snyder trademark at this point. But like honestly, it didn't bother me that much because he gave us enough time to like really care about these characters. So when they're in peril, it actually matters. Uh, speaking of characters, Batista is just wonderful in this role, and he just showed a different level of depth in his acting here. I feel like this is going to really, like, level up his career when it comes to, like, you know, the kind of roles he's offered in the future. But, like, that being said, this is definitely an ensemble cast, with every character bringing something different to the story. At the end of the day, is this a perfect film? Hell no. 
I mean, it definitely has some plot holes. I mean, does this belong in the same breath as all-time classics like Romero's Dead Trilogy or 28 Days Later? Absolutely not. But is this a fun, action-packed ride uh, with some memorable moments? Hell yes! I mean, three words. Zombie freaking tiger. That's all I have to say. Like, what more could you possibly ask for? <laughs> like, at the end of this movie, I wanted a whole, like, zombie zoo film. But anyway, I digress. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to give Army of the Dead a solid B. You know, for me, I think I wasn't disappointed with the film, for starters, because I came in with low expectations. I feel like I was kind of prepared by the trailers for some dumb fun, and I, and I think this film delivers on that front. Um, there are plenty of moments I can nitpick at, but I don't believe this film was ever really trying to be anything more than an action-packed zombie-slaying heist flick. Um, you know, we got all your standard tropes with both zombie films and heist films, you know, adding in the crew and, you know, who's going to survive, those types of elements. But as my co-host put, Snyder, you know, gave us just the right amount of time with our characters to care about them and their motivations. Um, and that's what really, you know, makes this film stand apart. A lot of other recent zombie flicks and heist movies that have come out in the recent years. Like in classic heist fashion, we get a double cross pretty early on in the actual heist part of the film where a character finds themselves locked in a room full of zombies. And I feel like with the average film, this character would have gone out looking like a chump. But Snyder and company got me and my friends cheering for this person to survive that moment with a well choreographed action sequence that really elevated what was almost a side note of a character, or at least would have been in your average film. And we get this, and we get this across the board with nearly every likable character. Um, each one got to shine instead of being Batista's side characters, you know. And again, I do agree with this. You know, this will definitely elevate Batista, and you know, definitely in the eyes of casting agents. It was another solid performance from the guy. Um, you know, the story itself isn't without flaws, though. I, I did hate the storyline of Batista's daughter, but, but this zombie action flick still did everything it intended to and left me having a good time. So I guess for my grade, I'm going to be giving Army of the Dead a B minus. Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Hey, if you're a fellow podcaster, let me tell you about Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast. That's right. They're providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space, so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today and become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. And let them know the nerds sent you by adding our podcast, The Amazing Nerd Show, in the How Did You Hear About Podgo section of the application. Once again, that's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. Well, Damon, we also got a new episode of Star Wars The Bad Batch. That's right. This week, we're talking episode four cornered word on the channels is you're looking for a certain modified omicron class attack shuttle i might know where to find it but that information's gonna cost you i'll make it well worth your while transmit the coordinates and make sure they don't leave so i thought overall this was a solid episode I mean, much more like action orientated than the other chapters. 
I mean, it's literally just one big chase sequence between Hunter, Omega, and Finnick. Uh, and I absolutely jinxed myself after saying last episode that Omega seemed like the, a different kind of younger character, one whose sole purpose isn't to be rescued every episode, because of course, in this episode, she needs to be rescued. But as long as we don't get 12 more episodes like that, I'm okay with it. <laughs> but anyway, I, I apologize. Um, we didn't get any like major story reveals here, except that like, you know, Finnick is on the hunt for Omega. I know a lot of people are complaining that this felt like total filler. I'm gonna argue that with like a 16 episode count, it's okay to have a show like this here and there. And honestly, like if everything would have dropped at once, no one would have bet an eye at this episode. I, I love getting to see like a younger version of Finnick and really like kind of, I don't know, fleshing out her character. I mean, she's like set up as a total badass, someone who can like just, you know, easily take out Hunter and Wrecker for crying out loud. I'm wondering if there's going to be a twist, though, like with who she's working for. I mean, you would assume that it's the Kaminoans, but like they made sure not to show like who she's talking to also. So, I mean, maybe it's Tarkin himself or, you know, there's another theory out there that they're like setting up the partnership between her and like Boba Fett where we'll get to see like Fett the teen years in the series, but that might just be wishful thinking. Um, but like I said, overall, I thought it was a solid episode. Yeah, I gotta say with this episode, this was like my reminder that this is, you know, the same creator as the Clone Wars, because this definitely gave me that like early Clone Wars type of vibe, which is kind of how it was set up. You know, it's very simple, very like, you know, hey, you know, we're getting from point A to point B in this type of story. And it's it was fine. I didn't have a problem with it. I thought this was a great introdu introduction to Finnick in this series. Um, you know, it kind of, you know, you got to see her, you know, kind of playing a little bit of both sides. She never felt like pure evil there was never like this moment where she was just like oh i'm gonna kill her or something like this or i'm just doing my job type of type characters you know she she seemed like she actually cared about some of the people around her you know like we get this uh, moment at the end of the episode where she could have just killed um the guy that was supposed to be helping her and instead she still paid and you know moved on from there and i thought that was a great moment um, as far as Omega goes with, I would have killed him. You would have killed him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying <laughs> he kind of did fuck up big time. I, I guess. I mean, he did try to stop them. He yelled, <laughs> I guess <laughs> maybe I'm just cold hearted. Um, as far as Omega goes, I, I will say, you know, we did jinx it with, you know, her needing to be saved, but even her <laughs> being in that situation, she still tried to fight her way out and it wasn't so helpless in the moment where it's kind of like, oh, of course, she's the damsel of distress type of moment here. So I, yeah. I do appreciate that. I do think that it, she is still a fun character to watch and see grow. And I'm sure she's learning from each experience as we go on. But yeah, short, simple. Mm -hmm. uh, I enjoyed the episode, uh, but, you know, it, it's it's Star Wars, the Clone Wars, but, you know, a little bit darker. <laughs> nothing crazy. Yeah, and I mean, and there's nothing wrong with no. that. You know, you're going to have episodes here and there like that. Exactly. I mean, it's fine. Um, and like I said, if this would have dropped altogether, I don't think anyone would have noticed that like there wasn't like any huge reveal in this episode. No, they would have. Like, it would have just flowed perfectly, mm -hmm. you know, to the next episode. Binged right through it. <laughs> so, do you think she's working for the Kaminoans? I think they want us to speculate on who she could be working for. Like, I think at the end of the day, it could very much well be them. And I mean, it won't be super exciting, but. I could totally see them just, you know, oh, you know, get them thinking it's, you know, crazy different things out there. Like, like 
of course, my mind went to what if it's, you know, Palpatine sending out a crew of people to try and get uh-huh. his, you know, clone out there. Or Mephesto. Or Mephesto, yes. It could. <laughs> this is the big crossover we've all been waiting for. Uh-huh. I definitely think that's like the name of the game right now um, for the studios. Like, you know, dropping the benefit of dropping these, you know, episodes weekly is, you know, kind of getting the internet buzzing, you know, working the internet um, to get like, you know, speculation going yeah. and everything like that. And, you know, everyone really talking about the series. So it only makes sense. Um, you know, who knows? Maybe it's nothing or, you know, maybe it's going to be a big reveal. We'll see. Who knows? Uh, one more speculation on it. Maybe it's Tan Wee just trying again to get Omega as far away as possible. Just one last one last guess. And I'll, I'll let it rest. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I have no clue, man. But we'll find out soon enough. Well, now it's time for Christian's Corner. Well, this past week in gaming, it felt like E3 came early as we got showcases from some of the most anticipated games that are still to come in the next few years. Starting off, I caught the Horizon Forbidden West gameplay from Sony's State of Play, and man, was it fucking beautiful. Like, damn, I kind of just need to get a PS5 because I want to see this game at its like full glory, what, the way it's supposed to run on the PS5, because you know that's exactly what they've optimized it for. While we didn't see a release date during this week's event, we did get 14 minutes of gameplay showing Alloy rescuing a friend from Raiders. Uh, we were introduced to new ways she can interact with the machines and new combat techniques to deal with the Raiders. The presentation was stunning and honestly, maybe me a little mad at myself for never finishing the first game. When they later released the complete edition, I did pick up the game and I played it for a long time, played a lot of it. But you know, work at that time just kind of sucked up all my free time, so I just eventually at some point stopped playing the game. But honestly, I'm mad that I did because you know there was nothing wrong with this. It wasn't like a boring story, it wasn't bad gameplay, it really showed off the power of the PS4. So maybe now that I'm streaming every week and you know playing games as a kind of you know entertainment thing for you guys, maybe I'll just start over pick up this game again before the release of horizon forbidden west if i had to guess maybe when this game is coming out i would probably say either late holiday season or even early spring since i mean they didn't really say anything about a release date in this so this might be a spring 2022 type of release at this point and you gotta imagine that this game will be a big win for the playstation 5 so i'm guessing sony is probably putting a ton of pressure on the gorilla team but you know, we'll continue to follow this as more info of the game comes out. Um, we also got a look at Dying Light 2 Stay Human, which is kind of a dumb name. I don't like the stay human part of it. It's it's like we get it. <laughs> Again, this was another impressive showcase and honestly showed off a lot that I want out of a gaming experience. You know, for starters, Dying Light was another game I never got around to playing. There were so many games that came out in 2015, but you know, a bunch of them that just caught my attention a little bit more than Dying Light. But I have heard nothing but great things about the game and have always been kind of curious in what I'm missing. This sequel looks like a choice-filled thrill ride that really shapes around the player's decisions you know the night and day cycle um, also creates a lot of opportunity for different ways to play the game you know the free running aspect also looks super smooth and intuitive to player choice and and, player creativity honestly i think i woke up a little bit more to the dying life franchise when i saw the 2019 e3 gameplay 
it looked like more of what I would have wanted out of um, that franchise Metro. But still at the same time, when I see a game that looks this ambitious, I still do kind of get a little nervous just because of Cyberpunk at this point. You know, Cyberpunk promised me a lot of like player choice and stuff like that, or what originally was being talked about. And we didn't really get any of that, you know, delivered. Um, this looks really impressive this looks looks like you have so much creativity and freedom to play and i'm just i'm excited to do all that stuff but i'm a little hesitant at this point when i see any game that shows off this much um, during a showcase but maybe that's just because i don't have the goodwill of the first game experience and they did announce a definitive edition of the game so maybe i should pick that up give dying light a try before um december 7th release of Dying Light 2 Stay Human. But last and not surely least, we got a gameplay reveal from Ubisoft's Far Cry 6. This time around, we are embracing the guerrilla warfare lifestyle as Danny, a protagonist with an ex-military background that wanted to be free of their homeland of Yara, from the tyrant that is known as Anton Castillo, as played by Giancarlo Esposito, as you might recognize as the main villain from Mandalorian. The Far Cry series has been known for its eccentric bad guys over the years, each game coming up with a near Bond level psycho for you to go up against. Anton feels like maybe the most serious villain and threat so far in my eyes, and I am excited to see Giancarlo's performance. Far Cry 5 for me left a lot to be desired. I felt like the experience was a little too easy and a tad bit too short for what they were promising. I also didn't get much into the characters and villains of that story. What we got as far as gameplay in this game though looked super fun. Customization is here in a big way with all the varieties of weapons and vehicles to traverse Yara. I think the only thing that didn't really impress me in this trailer were the character models. They looked a tad bit stiff, something I may have expected more from, you know, early PS4 and Xbox One graphics. But large open worlds like Far Cry tend to have less impressive models. It's just when I go from trailers like Horizon to this, you can really see a difference in style and realism. Though that's really not a fair comparison as Horizon is a console exclusive. All in all, I feel like I am more excited for the Far Cry franchise than ever because of the gameplay that they showed off. You know, and I will be looking forward for this game to drop on October 7th. Also that fucking wiener dog was absolutely adorable. Anyway, there's a lot of games news on the horizon, no pun intended. So make sure to stick with us right here on The Amazing Nerd Show as we break down all the E3 happenings coming up shortly. Um, during E3, I will be doing live reactions on our Twitch to press conferences and such. So make sure that you actually go ahead and follow us over there on Twitch. And if you, you know, have an Amazon Prime account and you feel like subscribing for free, I won't stop you. I mean, you know, I definitely would appreciate it. <laughs> because other than press conferences, you can catch me live Thursday through Sunday each weekend playing video games and probably dying over and over again. This past week we played and finished Saw the video game, we gave Mercenaries mode on Resident Evil Village a try, and we continued our adventures in Mass Effect and The Witcher 3. Um, next Thursday I plan on adding a new series to our Twitch called The Summer Thursday Replay, um, where each Thursday I will hop on and start playing a second run of some of the hits from last year. We will be starting off with Ghost of Tsushima as I did a poll on our Twitter. So definitely check out um, our Ghost of Tsushima playthrough where I'm going to be turning on the black and white mode. I'm going to be trying out the Japanese track. I'm going to be raising up the difficulty. So come on by and nerd out with me with some badass samurai action. All right, now on to wrestling. And I have future plans with New Japan Pro Wrestling for the U.S. title. So you must have really gotten a lot done in the two months, Nick. 
In fact, I think there's only room for one Khan in the wrestling business, Nick. And it's me, it's Tony Khan. It's not some con man from Connecticut. All right, Christian. So this weekend we have AEW's Double or Nothing. Full disclosure, uh, we're kind of running out of time. So we're going to go ahead, run down the card, and just make our predictions. Yes. So before we move on, um, I got to say this is definitely a stacked card. But for some reason, I'm just not as excited as I was, uh, you know, for uh, AEW's Revolution, uh, the last pay-per-view. I hear what you're saying, but... uh Revolution did end on a sour note, so I'm hoping that AEW is going to be putting like they're all to make you know up for that you know that that shitty explosion. <laughs> what like after every match, like the ring explodes? Yes. Like, <laughs> would that make you happy? That would make me extremely happy. <laughs> See, I don't know. I'm past that at this point, but I, uh-huh. I get what you're saying. <laughs> All right. Well, do we have a pre-show match, Christian? Yes, we do. We have Serena Deeb versus Rio, which I think is going to be a fantastic match. Yeah, it's sad that it's on the pre-show, but I get it. I mean, you got to have a good match to kind of hook the fans. Yeah. So, you know, people who are kind of on the ropes on like whether or not to get the pay-per-view or not. Um, I'm going to go ahead and go with Serena Deeb here. I just don't. I don't know Rio's travel situation. Yes. I know like <laughs> after she came back last time, she went right back home to Japan. So I'm wondering if this is going to be more of the same. Um, It just feels like a weird situation, though. Like, if that's the case, do you waste her on a pre-show match? Yeah. So hopefully she's here to stick around for, you know, a month or so. Exactly. I mean, especially since it's for the NWA Women's uh, Championship, I definitely think Serena Deeb is just going to hold on to it for right now. Yeah, exactly. Um, Up next, I have the Young Bucks. Going up against John Moxley and Eddie Kingston, better known as the Wild Things, for the tag team <laughs> world uh, for the AEW yeah. World Tag Team. Now that's something that you were trying to pitch to me yes. a couple weeks ago, <laughs> and they did put out a graphic with the two of them that's read the Wild Things. So, and you promised me that if that becomes a shirt, you have to buy it. I will. So, I, is there any word? Is that up on pro wrestling? I haven't, I haven't heard it. <laughs> Because I definitely want a picture of you in it for Instagram. I'll do it. I'll, I'll wear the title and everything. <laughs> all right. All right. I'm holding it to you, man. Uh, all right. So I'm going to say here that the Young Bucks are going to win. I don't see them dropping the titles. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're going to do something to set up Kingston here, um, you know, going forward. Because I think Moxley's going to need time off um, mm. just because I know Renee is about to give birth. Yeah. So I could see them doing a little angle where, you know, Moxley ends up having to take, you know, a month or so off. Um, and that way you can kind of, you know, then ease into like a Kingston Omega feud or something of, you know, along those lines. Uh, but I could be wrong. Uh, but yeah, no, I just don't see the Young Bucks dropping the title here. I mean, I think it's going to be a hell of a match, though. I, I agree. I think it's going to be a great match. Um, I didn't, you know, I, I didn't put it in mind that Moxley probably needs some time off soon. I keep forgetting that Renee is pregnant. Um, well, we were originally speculating that was the whole thing with the expo- exploding ring. Yes. Like, uh, <laughs> that was going to be an out for him. But, I mean, apparently we were wrong because it's, you know, what, like two months later mm-hmm. and he's still wrestling. So, uh, but, yeah, I don't know. I mean, not that Nick and Matt need it, but it would be a great heel moment to see him, um, like them take out both Moxley and Eddie Kingston. Um, and maybe do like an injury angle for Moxley. I do think the Bucks are winning, though. I think they're holding on to their titles for a little bit longer, at least. 
yeah, it should be a great matchup mm-hmm. um, style wise. Oh, too. yeah, absolutely. You know, since, you know, the wild things, quote unquote, uh-huh. <laughs> um, you know, are all about brawling. And then you got the Bucks who are all about finesse. So yes. I, I'm, I'm curious to see, like, how they match. Hopefully those Jays can handle the match. <laughs> all right. Uh, up next, we have Sting and Darby Allen versus Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page. And this is not a cinematic match. Uh, this is going to be taking place in the ring. Okay. So I'm absolutely terrified for Sting because <laughs> um, he is 60 years old, um, if not in his mid 60s, I think. Mm. Um, and he's got some spine issues. So I'm hoping Sky and Paige, you know, handle him with kid gloves. Um, but yeah, no, obviously they figure he can pull this off and, you know, he can be protected in a tag match. Um I'm actually going to go ahead and say that Paige and Sky are going to go over here just because, you know, they're a newer team and everything. And I think they need to kind of like gain some steam and what better way than like, you know, being the shit out of an icon. Mm -hmm. I feel like if I had seen, you know, this week's episode, which won't even come out till like this episode comes out, maybe I would be leaning more on Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page. I I just I'm not 100 percent know if they're like right. I feel like they're going to. protecting throughout the match yes uh they'll they'll probably have darby allen you know take most of the fight and then maybe sting will come in for a big you know sting moment throughout it at the end now now if this was wwe uh-huh. i can tell you how they would book it they would go ahead they would have darby and sting you know get the win and then after the match they would have page and sky uh-huh. take out sting you know to get that heat back so <laughs> i feel like tony's better than that mm-hmm. But, I mean, that also works, and it has worked in the past, so I don't know. We'll see. Well, up next we have our big stadium stampede match with the Pinnacle going up against the Inner Circle. And if the Inner Circle loses, they must disband forever. So I'm definitely curious about this match because I feel like they can't go, like, the haha route mm. with this. But, like, I don't know how you do a stadium stampede match without that element. Um, so maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they do comedy here, but I don't think that really helps like this feud at all. So I was really actually surprised this was even announced or they're doing this uh-huh. match, honestly. Um, well, it felt yeah. too soon, right? Well, I mean, after Blood and Guts, I guess all bets are off. Mm. Um, and it's another like team versus team type deal. I was kind of hoping that they would do like some one on one matchups or, you know, you could do Proud and Powerful against, you know, FTR, um, you know, give Jericho some time to heal and sell the injury uh-huh. at least because he did show up like, I don't know, like what, a week later, literally the same week. Mm-hmm. It was no, so, literally the same week. Um and he's actually legitimately hurt, too. He did fuck up his arm, supposedly, on that fall. Okay. So, like, that cast is actually real. Uh, so, I, I don't know. It does feel a little too soon for this match. And it just doesn't feel like the right kind of match. But who knows? Maybe they have an idea of how to pull this off and how to work this match. It just feels like the wrong tone for this feud, though. I mean, I think we both agree the inner circle has to win this match because they won't disband. I think so. Yet. I think it's way too early to like blow off this feud. I think there's a lot more like, you know, gas in the engine here. So, um, but I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it would be a big moment for the pinnacle, but I feel like, you know, 
this thing just got started so this has legs here so i mean this could go you know throughout the summer really until like you get like a big like one-on-one match between like mjf and jericho to kind of like settle things okay so you think it's going to end with you know leader versus leader in the ring i feel like that's the right way to go Mm -hmm. don't you what I don't have a problem. Especially with it. since they like because I felt like they did this backwards. Like honestly. <laughs> like I felt like blood and guts should have been like the blow off uh-huh. for this. <laughs> and then you could do a whole like, you know, the, the, this team needs to disband. Because I feel like whoever loses this feud, the team does need to disband. And I feel like that's gonna be inner circle. Yeah. And uh, part of the reason I feel that way is because I feel like, you know, hey, Jericho just released a single and he's probably gonna want to go on the road sometime soon and maybe take some like, you know, time uh-huh. off. So I could see him taking a month or two off. Um, And I feel like the inner circle has been around for about two years now at this point. So like maybe it's time for Sammy to go off on his own and do his own thing. Um, And the same with everyone else. But maybe I'm wrong. And and the pinnacle is the newer faction. Mm -hmm. I feel like they need to like have that big boost and, you know, defeating the inner circle and taking them out would be huge. Well, but is there another force right now that the Pinnacle could go up against after the Inner Circle? I don't know, because your other major faction is the Elite. And then you've got Heels versus Heels. Mm-hmm. Because so, and like no one wants to see them against the Nightmare Factory, right? No. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, unless they just concentrate on like getting titles. So, I mean, you could have, like, you know, FTR go after the tag titles, MJF could go after the uh, TNT title, you know, and so on. So, I don't know. I don't know where they're going. It's hard when you have, like, you know, so many different factions, (laughs) and you have, like, a major heel faction on top right now. So, and they basically have all the belts. Yes. But yeah, no, I'm gonna, I'm definitely gonna say Inner Circle wins this. Yeah, I'm to continue the feud. I'm sticking with that at least. Up next, Miro versus Lance Archer for the AEW TNT Championship. Miro, all the way. Miro, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah he just I, got the title. It, it only he just got set. the title. They're building him up as a monster. Mm-hmm. I feel like this match is taking place too soon because um, I don't really want to see Archer take another loss here. I wish they would have built this up a little more. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I feel like Miro has to win. So, I mean, they gotta, they've got to just work the match where Archer is allowed to really, like, shine in losing. So, and there's a way to do that. I just feel like Archer does too much, like, losing for yeah. being such a monster, you know, in AEW. I, so, I hope that they let him get into another feud after this where he just, like, dominates. Yeah, with Lance Archer, it's just been too much stop and start here and there. And it's, I don't know. Um, I, I want to get into his character. I've I've always wanted to since New Japan, but you know I, I've seen the same thing from both companies where it's just like he doesn't get to that big pinnacle moment for himself. Mm-hmm. No, I agree one hundred percent. Up next, we have Hangman Adam Page versus Brian Cage in a singles match. Page, Page is going to win this. Um, he got jumped from behind uh, by uh, Cage. Cage mm-hmm. got the surprise win. I think this is, you know, Paige's turn to get one back. Uh, but yeah, no, I I almost feel the same about Cage that, I, you know, the, the same way about Cage as I do about like Lance, Lance Archer, Archer yeah. where I feel like there's a lot of stop and start. Because after the feud was Sting, it felt like Cage was about to turn face. Mm-hmm. And then, I don't know, they pumped the brakes for some reason. And now he's just a straight heel. I don't know if that has to do with like Ricky Starks getting hurt 
so they couldn't do that feud to like break up team taz um but yeah no brian cage also a lot of stop and starting with him up next we have the casino battle royale with a future aew world championship match on the line we have christian cage matt seidel powerhouse hobbs penta l zero uh jungle boy matt hardy uh mark quinn isaiah cassidy the blade evil uno colt cabana preston vance griff garrison brian pillman jr max caster anthony bowens or or Bowens. Is it Bowens or whatever? I don't know. QT sure. Marshall, Nick Camarado, Dustin Rhodes, Lee Johnson, and one empty slot remains. So I'm not a fan of these matches whatsoever. <laughs> I feel like they're always a big like clusterfuck. Uh-huh. <laughs> but before we predict who's going to win this thing, uh, who do you think the surprise entrance is going to be? I'm not sure. You know, I could tell you who I would love it to be, but, you know, he, he's just off contract and, you know, he's got a 30 day <laughs> or whatever. Or 90 day. 90 probably. day. Yeah. Who is that? Samoa Joe? Yeah, Samoa Joe. Absolutely. Yeah. I would love Samoa Joe to pop up. Yeah, his but... time's not up, though. No. <laughs> I agree. That'd be great, but that's not happening. Uh, there's rumors about Andrade. Possibly, oh, okay. You know, they're in talks at least right now. Um, if he does show up, I feel like he's not going to win this, though, mm-hmm. just because he already has that match with Omega uh, for the uh, what What the hell is it called? Christian? The triple A title, super title, title, whatever. Mega championship. <laughs> <laughs> no disrespect, triple A fans. Uh, but yeah, no. I So if he does show up, I don't think he's going to actually win, but he could possibly, you know, show up. And I mean, there's fucking 20 people in this match, so I don't think he loses anything by not winning this match. Uh, I think it's going to be the big show. You think big show? Yes, I think Big Show comes out here. Uh, yeah. He has not wrestled a match yet. He hasn't hinted at wrestling a match. <laughs> I feel like this is where he shows up and actually, you know, puts on the boots again. You know, um, you know, he doesn't win. No. I don't think um, I'm going to go with Jungle Boy here, hmm. you know, where they're going to like level him up just a little bit. He'll get like that title match, you know, put on a good show, put on a good fight. Um, and get fans, you know, buzzing about him again. Uh, I, I could see that happening. You know, the other pick would obviously be like Christian Cage. Yeah, because that's that's my pick to win so far. Yeah, and they tease that, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I feel like that's too soon, also. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the wild card. I'm gonna go Jungle Boy. All right. Up next, we have Cody Rhodes versus Anthony Agogo in a singles match. Cody is going to have to pull off a miracle, man, because I have <laughs> not seen enough of a go-go to like believe he can, like, I don't know, work an entire match. Um, I have a bad feeling Cody's going to like job to this guy, and I don't want to see it just to put him over. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, man. I just feel like the guy hasn't earned it yet. I haven't seen enough of him wrestling. Like, I, I've, I think I've literally seen him in like two or three matches. So, uh, but yeah, no, I... God, I'm gonna I'm gonna say a go go wins here. Am I even saying his name right, Christian? You're saying it right. You're saying it right. Okay. What the stupid fucking uppercut, whatever. <laughs> I, I mean, this would be a great moment for Anthony Agogo to win, especially after that that beautiful speech from Cody Rhodes. I could totally see, you know, they they do a spot with Brandy coming out, maybe like throwing in the towel for um Cody Rhodes. Maybe yeah, one of those like types of situations. Just, yeah. He's like pouring blood from uh-huh. his mouth or something like that. And he refuses to quit or something. 
I could see it. It's totally going to be fucking uh, Rocky Four. <laughs> you know, uh, except, you know, Rocky throws in the towel for Apollo. You know, we don't get to watch Cody die or anything like that. <laughs> but <laughs> it's going to be like that. Like Arn like throws in the towel for uh-huh. him. Or like you said, you know, Brandy comes out. Um, and then we get like the big like rematch on TV or something like that. And Cody like wins. I'm still it just waiting. feels too soon to like uh-huh. beat, you know, go go if they're pushing him that hard. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I'm still waiting I for Arn Anderson this, to turn. Honestly, I, I keep feeling like any day now he could he could just turn on fucking Cody. <sighs> I agree. And like join up with the pinnacle. So uh, be like Tully and everything. Um, I don't know. I don't know. That could be happening sooner than later. Oh, I thought it would happen like months ago, but <laughs> I think that I think they'll say that for when like Cody eventually does feud with the pinnacle at some point. OK, because there is unfinished business between him and MJF. Mm hmm. So if they're going to do that, that's when you have the turn happen. Well, up next, we have Sheeta versus Britt Baker, DMD, uh, for the AEW Women's World Championship. So they've totally given Sheeta the kiss of death. They're like doing a uh, one year anniversary uh-huh. of the title win celebration on uh, AEW Dynamite this Friday. <laughs> so I was like, oh, she's totally dropping the yeah. title. Um, so, yeah, no, Britt's going to win this. I mean, she's white hot right now. It only makes sense, and I think it's the right choice. Yeah, it seems like the right time in general. All right, last but not least, we have Kenny Omega versus Orange Cassidy versus Pac in an AEW World Championship three-way match. Are you that excited for this match? I'm, I'm pretty excited. I love all three competitors. I do, but I feel like they haven't done enough to build this up. You know? I mean, there's been, like, what, like, maybe a, a two- to three-week build? Well, yeah, but I mean, we all know Kenny. Okay, we all know Kenny's coming out of this winning. Yes, and that's also another problem. It's like I love all the participants, mm-hmm. and I know that he could pull off a great match. I just wish they would have built this up a little more. You know, it just doesn't have the same like aura as like Kenny versus Moxley. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, they did the whole angle with Cassidy being injured. They're trying to get Cassidy this week to, um, like, basically throw in the towel and, you know, say that he's not going to participate in the match. Um, So I'm sure that's going to be a big moment on Dynamite on Friday. Um, We're recording this on Thursday, though. Uh, So we'll see. But, yeah, no. I I, I don't know. I'm excited for the match because I know, like, just the ring work alone is going to be enough to carry Mm. it. Um, And it's a cool, like, clash of styles, especially seeing, like, Omega versus Cassidy. I'm just not a big like, you know, triple threat fan. Like I want to I much rather have this been like one on one like between Omega and Cassidy. I don't disagree so, with you, but I I mean, we've talked about this on the show before. I think, you know, this is just the beginning of the story in general yeah. for like Cassidy versus Omega. I don't know, for like a pay-per-view like title match, I always want this like air of danger for the champion mm-hmm. like where there's a strong possibility that they might drop the title. And I'm not feeling that at all here. Now, they might surprise us completely. And, like, Cassidy walks away with the belt. Because um, I feel like also, like, they haven't really featured, like, Pac that that much at all mm. um, on the show. So I feel like if anyone's going to win the belt, it's going to be Cassidy. But I could be wrong, you know. Uh, but if, it, if they do do that, I feel like it's going to be a short title raid. But I don't see... Omega losing. No. So I'm going to go Omega. <laughs> I know that was a long way to get to. 
Omega's holding on the belt, but yeah, Omega's holding on the belt. I don't think Omega's going to lose a title match until maybe Triple Mania when he fights Andrade. I don't think Omega's going to lose a title match until maybe Triple Mania when he fights Andrade. I still don't think he's going to lose there. No, you I don't? Think he's, I think he's going to hold those belts for a while. If there's any belt that he's going to drop, you know, maybe it's the Mega Championship. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, man. I think he's going to hold on to those belts uh, for a while. Uh, do we picture any type of interference in this match from outside companies? Maybe even um, TNA showing up? Maybe. I'm not sure. Um, I think if a TNA guy is going to show up, not to backtrack, but it would be like during the Casino Battle Royal. Oh, like you, yeah. you could have them be like one of the surprise entrants, mm-hmm. like, you know, a Rich Swan, And then he wins a title shot against Omega, you know, by winning that match. So it kind of goes full circle. And then we actually get some like TNA representation on the show. Exactly. <laughs> Besides Gallus and Anderson, who are just basically like carrying the Bucks bags at this point. Uh-huh. I mean, it makes sense, especially like they can do that maybe more on the pay-per-views than they can do like on television. I don't know how that works, but I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. But yeah, no, I still feel like Omega's winning. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so regardless. But like I said, I mean, even though I don't feel like the build has been that great for this pay-per-view, I still think it's going to be a fun show and I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. Like I'm I'm super excited for most of the matches on this card just because I know the caliber of wrestlers we have going up against one another. I could totally see, you know, each match having its own, you know, like steal the show type of moment. Um, but you know, as, as we've said, most of these seem very predictable right now, um, towards winners. Uh, so, you know, it is what it is. Uh, hopefully they can just deliver on something, um, in a more exciting way throughout the actual pay-per-view. Maybe there'll be some surprises we're unaware of. Mm-hmm. And maybe they learned their lesson from the last big surprise that they tried to hype yes. up and it kind of like blew up in their face. <laughs> so like, you know, Hey, let's just keep our mouth shut, you know, do a surprise and you know, fans will have a bigger reaction. Exactly. To it. And we'll definitely be back next week to review the show. Well, that does it for this week. That's right. And as a friendly reminder, if you're listening to us on your favorite podcast platform, remember to subscribe, rate, and give us a five-star review. Exactly. It sure does help an independent podcast like ours continue to grow. And while you're at it, make sure to tell a friend. Plus, if you like any of the stories we talked about on this week's episode, make sure to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to catch the full articles, trailers, memes, and more. That's right. You can follow us at Amazing Nerd Show on all social media platforms. And hey, if you're looking for extra content, make sure to catch our streams every weekend on Twitch, plus YouTube videos Monday through Friday. Want to support the show further? You can head over to tpublic.com and get yourself some amazing Nerd Show merch. We've got t-shirts, hoodies, stickers, and more. And if you post what you bought and tag us on social media, we'll send you some additional nerd swag if you live in the United States. Well, all right, Damon, what are we talking about next week? Well, Christian, we'll be reviewing the long-anticipated A Quiet Place 2. And we'll also be talking all the results from AEW's Double or Nothing. And, of course, a whole lot more on the next episode. My name's Christian. And my name's David. And that was The Amazing Nerd Show. But you can't do this to me. I started this company. You know how much I sacrificed? <laughs>